Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Monorail co-pilot Justin, and joining me today are two of our regular co-pilots. We're missing one, and it might not be the one you'd think. Usually McKenna's not here, but she is here today. Hey! The and the other, one, the other one, which is it? Who is it? Reveal yourself. Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's nice to have you here, Samantha. Um, you look a lot like Garrett, but <laughs> Samantha. we'll forgive you for that. All right. It is Monday, August the 20th, and this is episode number 18 of the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. Thank you all for joining us once again. This is going to be a regular format show. We're going to do some news here in the beginning. We'll have our M34D where Landon and I are going to talk about Peter Pan's flight. And then at the end of the show, we're going to get back to the planning of Walt Disney World vacation series and just kind of talk about how you pick the right ticket for your vacation. So we're going to try to keep this one compact because our last couple episodes have been supersized. So let's get to it, why don't we? Okay. All right. First thing I wanted to mention is coming up this week, August the 23rd, actually, tickets will go on sale for the next D23 Expo. As always, this takes place at the Anaheim Convention Center. This is for the actually the convention next year, August 23rd through 25th of 2019. So planning a year in advance, probably a good idea. Single-day tickets and multi-day tickets, you actually get a discount if you're a D23 Gold member. The um, If you buy your ticket between August 23rd and November 20th, the pricing for three-day ticket early bird price, that's $177. Past November 20th is uh, $219. And then one-day tickets for early bird are $67. After November 20th are $79. And then if you are not a D23 Gold member, the three-day tickets are $249, and one day is $89. And then they're also offering a limited number of VIP Sorcerer packages for D23, which are available exclusively to D23 Gold and Gold family members at $2,500 per ticket. So That's a lot oh. of money. Let's get 10 of them. That's what Garrett, I said. Garrett, do you know what D23 is? Yeah, it was uh, the convention for Disney fans. Yep. And it covers all the Disney company, basically. Yeah. Movies, TV shows, digital games. It covers the parks, of course. Maybe we'll get some news about what they're going to do for the 50th anniversary at Magic Kingdom. So, so it's like Disney E3. Basically. That's what it is. Yeah. And it would, I think it'd be really fun to go to. You know, they always have things like Imagineers are there, and then people that are involved in the movies and say, all that. Hey, how'd you become an Imagineer? And then give them my plans for the Muppet <laughs> Hand restaurant. them your resume. Yeah. Hand <laughs> them my resume. Like, I have some pretty cool ideas for the Muppets yeah. and Remy the Rat. That's right. That's right. Um, speaking of that, I didn't put this down today, McKenna, but on Twitter, Lynn Testa tweeted out that they're... Right now, Disney's put out a survey testing potential names for the Remy attraction um, that's coming into the France Pavilion in Epcot. And it's basically like, it's kind of like looking at magnet poetry because they've taken a series of maybe six or seven words. And it's just each name is those words rearranged in some way or another. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, you should look at it and what see which one you like. What is the general idea of the name? Like Remy's Kitchen Adventure. Oh, it's, Remy's it's, Adventure in the Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Remy's Cuisine Extravaganza. <laughs> that one's that Kitchen Adventure better. with Remy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing. So. Oh, no. I I don't know. I'll how show I'll, you the list later. Yeah, please do. Yep, so. I Remy must be honored correctly mm -hmm. or else. It should just be called The Remy Ride. I would be down for that <laughs> or Remy's the best character. Please respect him. I have a good name for it. Okay. There are rats in this ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Failing your um, health inspection, 
the ride. Truth and advertising. There you go. All right, moving on. While we're talking about health inspections and maybe potentially closing restaurants down, at the Disney Caribbean Beach Resort, they actually shuttered their restaurant shutters a while back, and they Uh will be replacing it. Boo! Well, we found out through the Disney Parks blog this week what they're replacing it with. It's going to be a restaurant, a new table service restaurant called Sebastian's Bistro. And it'll be located along the Old Port Royal waterfront. It will feature beautiful views, warm island hospitality, and a menu that blends Latin and Caribbean flavors from market fresh ingredients. Sounds great. And of course, it's going to be themed Caribbean with some Little Mermaid things thrown in there. I think it'll be very cool. I'm excited about that for our for our future stay at the Caribbean Beach Resort what about in a pirate the, room. The Pirates of the Caribbean. That'd be a cool restaurant too, but uh, maybe where they. Just feed you rum. Yeah. You pass out somewhere. <laughs> you know, at Disneyland, they have a restaurant that's actually kind of part of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and it's called Blue Bayou. I didn't know that. Yeah. We should do that someday. Yeah, we should. The other thing I was going to say is they are going to be renovating the Centertown Market. It's going to be expanded and will now kind of have an indoor street market vibe. So doing some upgrades at the Caribbean Beach, kind of getting ready for maybe demand uptick when the Skyliner opens. Because they're going to have a Skyliner station. Got to make it match the future of Disney. Yeah. I think it's exciting. And I like food news. So, staying in that category, we all know it's Halloween season. Well, at least according to Disney, it's Halloween season officially, right? It is not Halloween season. It is. Dude, (laughs) Halloween season starts in January. (laughs) Halloween season. Halloween season. Halloween season. It's the season for Halloween starts. (laughs) In October. No, shut your mouth. Uh, I would go mid-September. I no. love... Uh, January. I, I love Halloween, but... I kind of feel like it needs to be after Labor Day. No, January. Once we get past Labor Day, we can start thinking maybe, Halloween. Okay, maybe once we get past Easter. <laughs> okay. Well, regardless, Disney has decided it's Halloween season because the not-so-scary party has officially kicked off. And as part of that, of course, they have not-so-scary Halloween party-specific food and treats. And I wanted to talk a little bit about those things that we will not get a chance to eat this year. <laughs> oh, I'm angry. I know. But they sound amazing. I'm going to point out whether or not they're specific for the party or just available in the parks through the Halloween season. Um, so I think there's something to you know food and treats that are available only at the party. I think that's pretty special. All right, so let's start out at the Main Street Bakery. They've got a few things that you might want to try to uh, put you in the mood for the Halloween season. Pumpkin bread. The no. Pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin pumpkin seeds. There's going to be something yeah. pumpkin, but we're not there yet. Something pumpkin. We're going to start out with Sounds good. with the not so poison apple cupcake. Oh, wait, yeah. is it chocolate? Nope, it is. Oh, not poison. Spiced apple cupcake with pecan crunch and buttercream. <laughs> Sounds really good. It really is. So it's not poison poison for you. That's great. Yep. They also have a Halloween cinnamon roll, which is Mickey shaped and topped (gasps) with chocolate spider roll. So you can't have that one. That one is poison. Yeah. I tried getting all the Mickey food and I missed that. Well, it wasn't available to us. And then the third thing at the Main Street Bakery is pumpkin cheesecake. Oh. And this is topped with a chocolate Mickey pumpkin. So you could take uh. that off. Uh, glute, it's gluten-friendly. And it has Sweet. gluten-friendly vanilla pecan uh, and caramel gri- glaze. What does gluten-friendly mean? Does that mean like r- gluten-free or is it? does it have gluten? I assume it's gluten-free because, I mean... I don't know what, unless it's just light, it's, light it on the gluten. Like it's gluten like a trick light. question. <laughs> High <laughs> in gluten. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it sounds like it has a lot of, like, this is a really gluten-friendly meal. <laughs> yeah. Like. yeah, it could be. Who knows? All right, let's move on over to Casey's Corner. Oh, I didn't tell you. Hold on. Yeah, don't skip things. I forgot to say that the only one of those that's available on party nights only is the pumpkin cheesecake. The Halloween cinnamon roll is available daily all the way through Halloween, and so is the not-so-poison apple cupcake. So over at Casey's Corner, this is also something that's available daily, so not necessarily just at the party. It's a mini witch brownie. White chocolate. It's 
It's topped with a white chocolate piece featuring the one and only Minnie Mouse dressed in her Halloween best. Oh. Yep. And um, moving over to Pecos Bill, Tall Tale Inn and Cafe, they have Hades nachos. <laughs> so this is uh, black bean nacho chips topped with fiery buffalo chicken and your choice of the toppings from the topping bar. That sounds good. And that's a party-only food. That sounds like it would be good. Yeah, I'm down with that. Um, and then they also have something that this would... Garrett loves this kind of thing, so I know you'd be down with this one, Garrett. This is a party-only treat until October 1st, and then from then on you could get it during the day. Worms and dirt. Oh, yeah. Worms yeah. and dirt chocolate pudding comes topped with gluten-friendly cake crumbs. What does that mean? Gluten-friendly. Gummy worms and a chocolate gravestone. Nice. So Garrett loves like dirt dessert with the worms in it. That's dirt one of your favorites. Dirt dessert. Yeah. I love chocolate and gummies. You do. Over at the Golden Oak Outpost, you could get, and this is party nights only, some refreshing apple cider. Ooh. And pair it with caramel stuffed pretzel or a few cinnamon donuts. Dang it. I thought you said parrot. No. Like the bird. Like, yeah. That's what I thought. It, a pair bird. It. Pair it. Not parrot. Move over to Sleepy Hollow, where you can get the Zero Waffle Sunday, available on party nights until October 1st, and then every day. And this is everyone's, <laughs> I love how they phrase this, everyone's favorite ghostly good boy, Zero. <laughs> good boy. Has some yes. special pumpkin waffles for you here at Sleepy Hollow, and it comes topped with vanilla ice cream sprinkles and caramel drizzle. Ooh, that sounds really good. Yeah. I'm down with that one. Now, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. Is Sleepy Hollow a thing all year? Yeah, it is. it is. It's a little Sleepy it? Hollow. Um, it's just a food, like a quick service thing. Okay. Because I was like, I, yeah, it didn't click. But mm-hmm. now, okay. It's not like a ride or an area. Like I thought it was like an area because they do have a Disney Ichabod Crane movie. They do. So. That's true. Um, also at Sleepy Hollow, party nights only. Uh, Jack Skellington Cake Push Pop. Oh, nice. It's layered with chocolate cake, oh. vanilla buttercream, white chocolate, and dark cho- chocolate crispy pearls, dark chocolate curls, and a white chocolate Jack Skellington. You can't have any of it. Why you, won't you, there you be? You said Push Pop. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. More representation for McKenna. <laughs> it's a cake Push Pop. Here's something that you could have. No, never mind. <laughs> I see chocolate. So at the Liberty Square Market... Party nights only. They have a Madame Leota dessert. <gasps> and this is vanilla tart shell filled with toasted marshmallow pastry cream topped with crispy pearls, chocolate, and a hard candy garnish. So you could just maybe have the chocolate not included. And you could have that one. No chocolate, please. Yeah. I'm a freaking weirdo. I'm a fan of, of this Haunted Mansion theme. And it's going to continue as we move over to Aloha Isle where you can get the Hitchhiking Ghost dessert. No habla chocolate. <laughs> this is also a party nights only treat. This is a doom buggy inspired cream puff filled with cookies and cream mousse topped with chocolate piece featuring the hitchhiking ghosts. Uh, moving over to Gaston's Tavern, they have the Oogie Boogie Meringue. Oh! Party nights only. And it's pomegranate cherry gelée. I don't know how to say that word. Jelly. It's G E L. E-E with like a little, you know, accent over the first E after the L. I don't know. It's weird. Jalay. I'm going to say Jalay. With gummy worms. And it's topped with glow-in-the-dark meringue. And it's gluten-friendly. Is it McKenna-friendly? <laughs> it's chill with the glutens. It sounds I don't like see chocolate. It sounds McKenna-friendly. Yeah, so you could have that one. If you like pomegranate cherry I'd and gummy, gummy worms. i gummy worms out. I think it sounds pretty good. I would have that one. This, was, this one's for your mom. Over at Storybook Treats, they have a Maleficent dessert. Ooh. Lime soft serve in a black waffle cone topped with purple sugar and chocolate horns. I could say no horns, No horns, please. please. Yeah. It sounds pretty cool. I Actually, I've seen pictures of that one, and it's pretty neat looking. Over at Anti-Gravities, if you're a fan of candy corn, this is where you're going to get your Yo. treats. They have candy corn ice cream available every day through October 31st. What? I want that. Oh, yeah, and the Maleficent desserts every day through October 31st. And then a, they also offer a candy corn milkshake, and that's also a daily treat, topped with Gross. cotton candy and a Mickey-shaped marshmallow. Ooh. I don't like candy corn. Candy corn's delicious. I'm not a big candy corn person myself. It just tastes like sugar, but good sugar. I think it tastes like oil. 
I like it a lot. I like the candy I mean, pumpkins. It, it reminds me of icing, and I don't like icing. The pumpkins are the best, hmm. yeah. in my opinion. Well, Sam, your mom, she's a big fan of... <laughs> you know your mom, Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a big fan of candy corn taffy, and that stuff is so gross to me. Ugh. Ugh. Your Just mom. the thought of it. Yeah, your mom. Last one I wanted to point out is available at Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. Available party nights only. You can get a Munster Smash Burger. A what? Yeah. So it's a Munster Smash Burger served on a black bun with Munster cheese, tots, <gasps> and sriracha aioli. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, actually. So there's a couple savory things on here with the Smash Burger and then also the um, Hades nachos. I'd be just as excited about those about as I would about all the treats. And then the other thing, of course, is there's popcorn carts throughout the park that have the special popcorn novelty popcorn buckets Oh, that are Halloween-themed. I saw one of them that looks like the poison apple. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wasn't there a Oogie Boogie popcorn bucket? Probably. That seems right. Because I saw an article thing talking about bringing back an Oogie Boogie popcorn bucket, but I didn't know if this was the same thing. It might be. I can't confirm or deny. So let's just say it is. You said it on a podcast, as Landon says, that makes it true. On that note, let's take a break, and we're going to head over to M340. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail. This is M34D, and joining me today is one of the D's in the 4D, Landon the Dawes Doan. Welcome back to the Monorail, Landon. Hey, buddy. Doing okay? Doing good, doing good. I, I We were talking before we got started recording. Um, I decided, at, as I was doing my research to watch some YouTube videos, I ended up landing on Happily Ever After, and for whatever reason, it made me cry like a baby. So I'm in a bit of an emotional place right now, but, you know, that's okay. I actually felt like that was a good place to be going in to talk about Peter Pan's flight. So, Yeah, uh, right there with you. I was uh, doing some research right before the show and somehow landed on a video talking about uh, meeting characters and how you don't necessarily have to, you know, wait in line to meet certain characters. And they talked about, though, if you're there with a, with a small child and they just have to absolutely meet that one Disney princess, you know, you got to do it. I'm like, yeah, you do got to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, so so apparently we are on the exact same wavelength. Great. All right. Let's, let's cry through this M34D then, why don't we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Peter Pan's flight is the soup du jour. <laughs> I talked over it. Hit it again. That's right. <laughs> That's literally my only contribution this episode. So goodbye, guys. <laughs> and, um, but that's okay. It's an appropriate contribution, and uh, I appreciate bringing a little metal to the program. Um, I have to ask James Hetfield his thoughts on more uh, first-day Disney uh, World attractions. Oh, gosh. Don't mention to him that we used any of his audio on this podcast. We will we will cease to exist. <laughs> no, no, no. You're thinking of Lars. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, he's the more litigious of the two. Um, yeah, this was just clearly isolated audio of James Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> and a tribute. <laughs> but yes, we are. We're off to Never Never Land. Peter Pan is going to take us there with a little help from Tink and her t- and her Tixie Dust or Pixie Dust. We'll go with Pixie Dust. As I like to do when we do our M340 segment, I like to kick it off by talking about, well, what exactly is this attraction? So let me give you a little insight in case you have never had the chance to ride Peter Pan's flight. This is a rail-suspended dark ride, which makes it unique from any other ride that we have talked about or any other attraction that we've talked about today. In fact, I don't think we're going to talk about another rail-suspended ride throughout the course of M340. I can't think of another one. So... 
So that makes it a unique attraction in Walt Disney World. It is a day one attraction. Hold the phone. According to my research, it actually opened two days after park opened. So, what? so this is a day three attraction? This is a day three attraction, which I know makes me sound like a fraud. But Oh my God, this segment is built on a monorail of lies. We do. We ride on a monorail of lies. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I heard about the opening of Magic Kingdom, and I know this is true at Disneyland, is... As you can imagine, with, with opening something with the scope and scale of, of these amusement parks, it's a bit of a scramble for day one, and maybe not everything is ready to go like they hoped it would be uh, from the jump. So I assume, and I, d- I didn't do research to find out what delayed it, but I assume that there was something going on that caused it to be delayed by a couple of days. Uh, but nonetheless, it opened on day three and has been going ever since. As with some of the other attractions we've talked about Peter Pan's flight actually did debut in Disneyland before it appeared in the Magic Kingdom. In the Magic Kingdom, when it did open, it had some differences. I'll let Landon tell you about those. And uh, then it's it's further been expanded out to Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Shanghai Disneyland. It's a favorite everywhere. And I can tell you, this ride, as you're riding on your suspended flying pirate ship through London and into Neverland... It's it's a classic, and it's one that is, you know, it hasn't changed very much from the beginning, but for whatever reason, it has kept its popularity throughout the run of this ride. It's, 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 a, it's a ride that Walt would be proud, of course. It was one of, you know, he was around when, when they planned this and, and opened the, the Disneyland ride. It's a ride that everybody can ride, and maybe that helps uh, the appeal of the ride, but, you know... As I mentioned, it's it's not the it's not going to be the most technologically impressive rides that you ride. It's pretty neat, but it's not technologically impressive. It's really just very nostalgic and maybe somewhat unique because it's suspended. Uh, but to, still today, if you don't get a fast pass for this thing, you're probably going to have to wait. And that's every single day the park is open. Like doing our research for this specific episode, I was blown away to find that fact out it's like like you said it's like technologically this isn't you know a groundbreaking ride this might be hearkening back to uh, something i said on a previous episode this might be your disney 101 this might be your 1000 class like this is a ride that if you want to get the full disney experience you want to take a part of but it's like I was stunned to see that some people would wait an hour 92 hours plus for this attraction yeah just stunning yeah oh yeah and they will. I mean, I do feel like when I go to Disney World that I want to ride Peter Pan. But if I don't have a fast pass for it and that line is in excess of 20 minutes, I would say, I'm probably not going to wait. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd be hard pressed to disagree. It's like when I do go to Disney, you said it's a very unique ride, like just in the animatronics itself. It's almost like a blast from the past. And and it is very visually gauging. So you do want to go and check this ride out. But at the same time, if I've said it many times before, the most valuable commodity you have inside Walt Disney Parks are time. So I would rather budget my time elsewhere than, you know, standing in line for this. Yeah. And I guess it depends on, you know, the makeup of your party and what's important Mm, to you. That is true. And I think you said something very important. This is an attraction that everybody can ride. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter if they're, you know, little ones all the way to, you know, grandma and, 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 and the rascal or whatever. Everybody can ride this. Yeah, this is one of those rides that I can tell you, I remember riding it when I was a, a wee tyke, and the the feeling of awe that you have when you ride this ride is significant um, when you're little. I mean, you're you're flying in a pirate ship, which is cool enough as it is, but the as you as you kind of go through the ride, you leave the nursery, you're flying over, you know, old London town, foggy old London foggy town. Foggy London, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's it's definitely scaled down, but you feel like you're so high up. And one of the things I think is so cool, one of the details I love is that if you look down at the bridges and the roads, you actually see headlights driving on the roads, um, moving around, going across the bridges, which is impressive. Then, then you fly into Neverland, you get to see the animatronics. One of my favorite things is that as you fly into Neverland, you look down and you see Captain Hook's pirate ship and it's small. You know, oh, it's mm -hmm, like uh, those little things. I mean, that's the that's the Disney touch. Those small details. Yeah, and then you turn a couple corners, and there's a full size Hooks pirate ship. Like it's it's Mm -hmm. that that's a cool 
moment for me. Um, but I think I read that uh, the ship is close to forty feet from yeah. uh, from uh, tip to tip. Yeah, yeah, it's it's huge. It's mm. it's like a full size pirate ship almost. Um, so that's pretty neat. But like as a child, it definitely has that awe factor. I mean, now you ride it, and we talked about this before we got into recording. You ride Peter Pan's flight now, and it feels like a ride that was made in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we mentioned, it hasn't changed much. The animatronics for, you know, as we think about animatronics, we, they've come a very long way. We just mentioned Hall of Presidents a minute ago. Presidents stand up, talk to you, gesticulate, all that sort of thing. You're not going to see so much of that in this ride. It's really just simple movements, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, and, and then a lot of the effects are, are done with like glow paint. So it's simple, but maybe that's part of why people love it so much. I don't know. I I think I think you're right when you say that might be why people love it so much. It's like you did make reference to the Hall of Presidents and how the animatronics have gotten so lifelike and stuff like that. I'm not gonna lie. I'd still rather see uh, the animatronic of Captain Hook standing in the in in the mouth of the alligator towards the end of the ride than I would like seeing Grover Cleveland tell me his <laughs> uh, his tax policy or something. And and I do think like the way it looks and and yeah, it does feel like a ride out of the '70s. But that I think might build towards the appeal of it because you're riding this ride yeah it feels like a ride from the 70s but it also looks like a ride to the 70s but to me it's like i am literally going through the animated movie of peter pan and and i really feel like peter pan's flight really recreates that feeling yeah that's a good point probably more so than some of the other um movie-based rides that you might experience at the magic kingdom Peter Pan really does take you through the movie's story from in, in, in a timeline that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Landon, was it this particular ride that you had the notes on the differences between Disneyland or Disney World, or is it our next one? Uh, it is this one. I have some uh, differences in the Tokyo Disneyland and the Shanghai Disneyland version from uh, the ones that we're probably more familiar with in the okay. Orlando Park. All right, let's hear it. Uh, Tokyo Disneyland uh, recently added new digital effects, and they have a new Neverland scene, which, uh, it, it, at least in my research, is unique to the Tokyo Disneyland park itself. And then Shanghai Disneyland has a four-person cart instead of the traditional two, and it also has a new scene such as the uh, splashdown into Skull Rock. So that's uh, some of the differences that uh, you might notice if you go uh, jet-setting about the world and want to go to uh, Disney Park. Yeah, you know, I think we're going to have to experience these things firsthand, so uh, let's start <laughs> <Absolutely>. booking flights. <laughs> yeah, if there are any uh, benevolent listeners out there that want to just give us money to do this, hit us up. Yeah. We're here to sell out. It's all for the greater good. Here's something I found is interesting as I was doing my research for this ride. So for, with the Disneyland concept, the original intent was to basically put you in the place of Peter Pan. So as you went through the ride you took the place of Peter Pan. So if you were riding it, looking to see Peter Pan, you weren't going to see him. (laughs) So this didn't quite go over very well with the guests who were experiencing it early on. So, so I read that like, like that's so funny. It's, it's, you know, it's not a bad concept. Like why not let the guest be Peter Pan, you know, and then they'll, they'll see it all firsthand from the first person perspective. Like, that's a really cool selling point. It is. It's it's a really good idea, but the ride is called Peter Pan. The movie is Peter Pan. We love watching Peter Pan, and then you ride it, and he's nowhere to be found. He's, <laughs> so I'm sure that was a bit disappointing. So, of course, in today's version, Peter Pan is around. You get to see him a couple of times. But um, here's what makes me feel good. when I When I read this, I thought to myself, I always think of Walt Disney as being a guy who was a trendsetter, a leader in in thought, so innovative, so imaginative. And I love the fact that he has these ideas that just kind of fell on their face because it makes me feel like maybe there's hope for me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and another thing I wanted to say too is when they opened the ride at Magic Kingdom in Orlando, there were a couple things that they updated. In Disneyland, they didn't have the animatronics at all. So in Walt Disney World, the animatronics were like a new, highly technological thing, which was pretty nice. But of course, we're thinking, you know, this is almost 16, 17 years after they had installed the one in Disneyland. So they had a little more time to develop. But uh, but yeah, that was one of the things that was different. The other is, as you're getting onto the flying pirate ships, you actually have like a, a Omnimover conveyor belt that you step onto that's moving at the same speed as the pirate ships, much like the People Mover or Spaceship Earth. 
the ride can keep moving while it loads. And in Disneyland, they don't have that. The boats actually stop. So, yeah. So that's one, another one of the differences that I found pretty fascinating. So It, it keeps it more efficient, I suppose. It does. I, I love Omnimovers and, and the continuous load concept because really, even in lines that are somewhat longer, as long as you feel like you're still moving, you can take it yes. a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to coming to a full stop, you're like, oh my God, why are we not moving? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I'll wait. Well, this probably isn't a great example. I love Spaceship Earth. It's one of my favorite rides. But even when the line is significant, I'll still probably line up for it because that ride really doesn't, even when the line, it's it's a mental game, right? It doesn't feel like you're waiting as long because you're moving at least, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, another thing that can help uh, not feel like you're, you know, standing in line forever is a queue. And uh, this ride, I think, definitely realizes that theory as well because they have a highly detailed queue, uh, kind of mimicking the Darling Residence that leads you to that uh, almost people mover or omni mover that gets you onto your ship. So, in addition to, you know, you're never at a constant stop, you have a pretty, uh, pretty cool queue to mess with too. Yeah, and unfortunately, so I've been to Walt Disney World twice since they introduced the interactive queue, and I haven't done it because both times I've been fast pass riding. So have you experienced the updated queue or not? No, not in person. I've okay. seen some videos on it on YouTube, uh, and it looks really cool, but yeah. uh, I have not experienced it in person. No. Yeah, this is another one of those things. I love that they're doing so much more of this in, in the parks. I wish we would go a little more virtual queue, lineless queue, that sort of thing. But but until we do, I like the interactive queues that they have introduced in a lot of the rides. And, and this one looks like it'd be pretty neat. Um, I And I think at one point you can even get sprinkled by a little bit of pixie dust from Tinkerbell. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Once again, it's those little touches that Disney does. Yeah. So uh, a couple of fun facts I wanted to bring to you. Number one, the highest that you ever get in this ride. Did you read this? I'm going to, because if not. No, no, I, I, I did not read this. This is a, a brand new fun fact for me as well, the lovely listener. Great. So how high do you think you get in those flying pirate ships? Uh, I would say you're like. 15-ish feet off the ground. Ooh, you almost nailed it. And it price is right rules, you're you're still in the game. It's actually <laughs> it's actually just 17 feet. So Really? Yeah, 17 feet's the highest you ever get off the ground in Peter Pan Peter Pan's flight. And but you know, the tiny models you're flying over definitely makes it feel like you're a lot higher. Um, yeah, I was definitely going to say it's like the scale makes it feel like it's much higher than that. Yeah, yeah. The other thing was that you have already mentioned this, actually. It was the blocks in the nursery room. But there's another thing that you might notice in the nursery room. There's some classic toys that are sitting at a little tea party. <laughs> and in, if you happen to look over to the right as your ship is taking off, you will see Raggedy Ann and Andy. That's pretty neat. And then the other one, as you're flying through Neverland, there's a volcano in there. And it kind of looks like the lava is actually bubbling in that volcano. Well... The way they create that effect, close your ears if you don't want the magic ruined, is they use tiny styrofoam balls and blow air on them. And that's how it makes the bubbling lava. Huh. So, yeah, pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. There you go. That's Peter Pan's flight in a nutshell. Yeah, there you go. Uh, And uh, get a fast pass, I suppose, if you want to ride this and not wait, you know, all day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you've never ridden it, like Landon said, I think it's another one of your 100 level classes. You've got to experience this to get your diploma, your Disney Parks diploma. And I think it's it's definitely one that set a precedent and kind of raised the bar for rides that would come after it. Any parting shots on Peter Pan? No, not really, but uh, one more time. I have one more thing to say about this. So... I noticed this time while we went to uh, Magic Kingdom and actually all over the Walt Disney World Resort, a lot of dudes are wearing this this shirt. There's two versions of it. One of them, it's it's uh, you'll, usually green. It's got the silhouette of Peter Pan flying, and it says, I'm so fly. Okay, there's that one. Oh, God. And then there's another one that says, I'm so fly, I never land. Before I saw people wearing it, I saw it in because we went to Disney Springs before we ever went to the parks. So, and I was like, "You were walking around, and you're all like, what am I doing here?'" Definitely. And I was like, uh, "So I saw that shirt, and I was like, you know what? That's a pretty cool shirt. I like that. 
maybe I'll purchase one of those. I hadn't I hadn't made my t-shirt selection yet on this trip, so I thought that was a good candidate. By the time we were done with this trip, I decided I would never buy that shirt because every dude, <laughs> every single dude I saw was wearing that shirt. Every dude. I get home. I had to do some run around, do some chores today. I go to Target, and they actually sell that shirt at Target. Re- That's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I know Target recently, like, introduced a bunch of more Disney gear. So you can get a lot of really cool Disney stuff at Target now. And that's cool. But it's also cool to buy stuff at Disney World that you can't buy at home. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm actually, I think I made a good choice not getting that shirt for a couple of reasons now. So Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and with it being available at Target, that might be why, you know, every dude was wearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they either bought it at Target. So it does sound like a pretty fly T-shirt. Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, I'm going to yeah. jump out the monorail. I'll see myself out. I was going to say, and on that note, I think it's time to <laughs> shut it down. So, <laughs> Landon, tell the folks where they can find you if they want to hear more of these great puns. Uh, well, no. No puns. Well, on Nerd News Cafe on our last episode, there was a lot of shark puns uh, by Matt <laughs> Weaver. Not by me. That yeah, is, not by uh, you at all. No, no, no. Uh, that actually made me consider retiring from broadcasting. So, <laughs> it, <laughs> so we almost had to deal with that nightmare. But uh, Nerd News Cafe is available at nerdnewscafe.com uh, in the iTunes store as well. Me personally, I run a website, buttmunchchips.com, buttmunchchips. Sit on your butt and munch. It's where you can find the exclusively posted Game of Thrones talk, a.k.a. Got Talk, where myself and Hunter East break down each episode of HBO's award-winning series Game of Thrones. We have a full season seven rundown and... Whenever HBO decides to do season eight, Hunter and I will be there to uh, break it down. Uh, that is posted exclusively at buttmunchchips.com. And in the iTunes store, if you're a fan of the sweet science of uh, professional wrestling, we have Near Fall Radio where myself and Hunter – no, not Hunter East, Justin Kritzinger. Uh, <laughs> I've been replaced. Talk- That's yeah, Hunter's yeah. music. <laughs> my God. My God. <laughs> Hey, look at you with the wrestling. Po- I like that. Uh, it's almost like you should be a co-host on my wrestling podcast, which is Near Fall Radio, and you can find that in the iTunes store. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Frank Cardillo, the Improviser's Guide podcast, because uh, he he does a kind of a rotating topics throughout the week format, and on Wednesdays he does everything is wrestling Wednesdays. If he listens, and I know sometimes his sister does, I don't know necessarily if he does. Jen might be listening, so Jen pass the word on Near Fall Radio. Frank might be into that. Landon, you should check out Everything Is Wrestling Wednesday. Well, I will. I I had no idea that on Wednesday it was Everything Wrestling. I need to just reevaluate my life at this point. Well, now you know. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Hold on. All right. I, I, I really do got to go. I, I need to rebook every Wednesday uh, from here forward. <laughs> All right. Well, while you do that, we will take a break and we'll be right back for segment three of the Monday Morning Monorail. Landon, thank you so much. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is the final segment of today's show, and we're going to do a couple of things here. The first was, I went out on Twitter and asked if anybody had any requests or questions for us today, because it was kind of a light news day, and we did get a response from our friend Nick, at TTA underscore team underscore lead on Twitter, and first of all, he wanted me to tell you all, he wasn't really mad at us. I was trying to create like a, you know, some sort of a rivalry like sort of, some sort of an angle that we could play as if this was like a WWE storyline. But he wanted me to tell you, clarify, he wasn't really mad at us that we didn't shout out to him when we were at the Wilderness Lodge. He just wanted to get together and, and be able to say hi. So fair enough. We, we're frenemies. Frenemies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but um, he gave us that a couple. That was a, a Disney original movie. Yeah, before. frenemies. I know. And so it wasn't good. Disney tied in. Because a lot of those aren't good. But he did send us a quick question, a couple of them. One one we can answer and one we can't. First, he asked us if we used the minivan service while we were on our trip. No, we did not. We didn't. Um, he's asking if we think it's worth it, and it's hard to speak to it. I would say if you were doing the Parkology Challenge, it's probably worth it because you do, don't need to be waiting on buses. You need that direct access to the parks. But and if it's really late and you're really grumpy and you look, go to a resort where there are a lot of people... Yeah. It'd probably be worth it. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. That's a good angle on it. 
The other thing. I wanted to take one. The other thing he asked us is, would we do Moonlight Magic or any other similar experience again, or is it a one-time thing? So we did the Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom After Hours party when we were there in July. And I'd be interested to know what your opinion is on this, because I certainly have one. McKenna, would you do you think you'd do the After Hours party again? I think it was fun, and I would do it, but... There were some problems that I had with other people being there really late, even though we paid to be there, and it made the lines longer, and I wish we had more time in the park, too, but all in all, I thought it was a good way to just get some rides done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to say, just adding on to what you're saying, we actually ended up including, like, if you you think about, we stopped for about 30, 40 minutes and watched Happily Ever After. Um, We had six hours in the park, and we still managed to ride 14 rides. That's a that's getting a lot done in six yeah. hours. Less than six hours if you take away the 40 minutes. All right, Garrett? I would not not do it again. I would do it again. <laughs> Boy. Ooh, you tricked me. Because it, it was a lot of fun. It's pretty neat. I mean, there's a lot of positives. One thing I would say is I like being in the Magic Kingdom at night. Yeah, less mm-hmm. people is better because people are normally the problem with Disney. <laughs> I like it being lit up. I love Tomorrowland at night. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. places to be. And once people cleared out, it got better as the night went on. So around, you know, 11, 12, for a couple hours, the park was basically ours. You know, it felt like we had the run of the park. For me, if we were doing another short trip, like this one that we just did, I wouldn't do it because I do feel like there's a lot more. I want to spend more time in the Magic Kingdom Park than just six hours. Yeah, like, and, I, and meet some characters. But and there stuff. are so many people. Well, I felt pressured to move quick and get a lot done in that six hours we were in there and that was contrary to what we were trying to do this time which was kind of be more relaxed and take our time yeah i felt like it was pretty relaxing for me yeah your feet weren't in pain though like maybe somebody else's so that to me was one of the things that i thought about and i and i know i said it on the show before it's definitely it's a fun experience it's really cool there's a lot of good to it but Six hours is not a lot of time in the Magic Kingdom. So unless you go there frequently or you're staying, you know, more than three or four days and you already have a Magic Kingdom day planned, I just don't think you should do it personally. The other thing I would say is I wish they would let you in at like five. Getting in at seven and only having the six hours is pretty limited. And when you think about something like the Not So Scary Party or Very Merry Christmas Party, you can actually get in the parks at like four, which gives you a lot more time. And actually, those events are cheaper yeah. than the after hours party that we did. Those are more interactive than the after hours party. I don't know that they have all the, you know, maybe some of the rides they have open, it, it, it yeah. might change. Uh, probably. I definitely am open to the idea of doing a very Merry Christmas party. We've never done it. We've never done a not so scary party, and I would do it. So those two things, I'm open to those. And and I think too, they have a lot more character because they're like themed events with a lot, with different activities going on, different character interactions. There's a lot more to it. Just specifically, the after hours party. I don't know that I'd do it again. Really? I think it was just a one time thing for me. Gasp. I know. Maybe other people disagree and and think I'm crazy, but okay. So that kind of ties into what I want to wrap up with today because we're talking about special hard ticket events. And this is going to be a continuation of our Planning a Walt Disney World Vacation series. This is part number five, and this is how to pick the right ticket. There are, I'm going to say, four big questions to consider when you're trying to pick the right ticket for you. How long are you staying? How many days do you want to spend in the parks? Which parks do you want to see? And then what's your budget? So Disney offers you the flexibility to buy anything from a single day, single park ticket to a 10 day, multi-park ticket and all the way to an annual pass. The general rule of thumb is that the per day cost of your ticket is gonna decrease as the days included on your ticket increase. It makes a lot of sense if you're gonna be, let's say you have a six, seven night trip planned to buy like a six or seven day pass. Because if you do that, your per day cost is a lot lower. Like, so for example, an adult single day ticket to the Magic Kingdom starts at $109 during value season. While a four day adult single park ticket cost three eighty or ninety five dollars a day. Mm. So compare that to a ten day single park adult ticket, which is four hundred and forty five dollars or forty four fifty a day. So significant savings, right? That's sixty dollars less per day. Yeah. If you can get a ten day ticket. The other thing to consider is single day tickets are subject to the variable variable pricing that Disney has introduced. 
So we mentioned a second ago that a single day admission to Magic Kingdom during value season is $109. During peak season, that same ticket is $129. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Magic Kingdom is the most expensive. The other parks are cheaper. They're grouped into a bucket. So if, you, if you're if you picking a single day ticket, it will actually ask you what day you're going and what park you're going to. The single day park hopper option. So just thinking about adding park hopper, we've been talking single park so far. If you want to add Park Hopper onto it, it's about $55 for a single day to add Park Hopper option. Multi-day tickets and any options purchased have to be used within 14 days of the first use. So that's something to consider too. It used to be years ago that you could go buy a Walt Disney World ticket for like, let's say 10 days. You could go use a day now and then save that ticket and use it again in 10 years. Oh. Yeah, if you wanted to can't do that anymore and they actually used to offer you the ability to pay for no expiration i don't even think they offer that anymore now if you buy a multi-day ticket from the first day you use it you've got 14 days to use it that doesn't apply to florida residents if they buy a three-day or four-day ticket it expires 180 days after the first use so they get a little more time which makes sense and then the other thing to think about is if you buy your ticket today it has to be used by on or before december 31st 2019 so it's only good until then. Why is that? Because Disney's going to be increasing prices and they don't want you to like yeah. be banking tickets and use them at some point in the future. So let's just talk quickly about annual passes. The Disney Platinum Plus Pass gives you ad- yeah, gives you admission for a year from the day you buy it to all four theme parks, two Disney water parks, ESPN Wide World of Sports, and the Disney Oak Trail Golf Course with no blockout dates. And it actually allows you the ability to park hop. It includes Disney PhotoPass downloads, up to 20% off select dining, 20% off select merchandise, and it gives you standard theme park parking. So for 3+, plus, ages 3+, plus, that Platinum Plus Pass is $949. A minute ago I mentioned a 10-day pass is four, like 450 mm-hmm. So this is like two of those. I think it used to be that like if you were going to be visiting Disney and spending like 10 plus days in the park, it made more sense to get the annual pass because there was kind of a break-even point. But now it looks like it's really more like 20 days plus. Mm. So Who's spending 20 days at Disney? Well, people are doing it. Our good friend Kevin has an annual pass. <laughs> You're right. And he goes, the, the advantage is you can go anytime you want to throughout the year, go spend a few days, come home, you know. But you do have to think about, am I going to be able to spend 20 plus days in the parks? To make it worth it. And then the other thing is take advantage of those discounts if you get them. You can also get the Disney Platinum Pass, not the Pus, pus, pus Pass. No. Hall- Halloween Spectacular. The Disney Platinum Pass without the Plus, which gives you admission to all four parks without the water parks. And you still get the advantages of the discount. So that one makes more sense. It's $100 less. It's $849. Yeah. So. I think that one makes more sense. Well, I, I'm not... A water park person, so it would work for me if I was yeah. going to spend a lot of time in Disney. Yep. So it's a it's a tiny bit more affordable. You can actually also get just a water park annual pass for $130. Oh. So that's pretty cheap. I mean, if you lived at Disney and you figured you were going to be going to the water parks all the time, that's pretty affordable. So I guess the upshot of all of this is you really need to think about when you go on your trip, What makes the most sense for you based on your needs? I think you definitely want to go multi-day with the tickets that you buy because you're going to save money. Now, the thing where I think you get into the debate is the park hopper option. My personal opinion, I don't know if this is a popular opinion. It may be unpopular, but I think if you're going for a shorter trip, like let's say five park days or less, no park hopper. I think you go single, single park and save that money because I really think you waste a lot of valuable time that you could be in the parks transitioning from one park to another and hopping around. You might feel like you, to get that value, you need to do more and put more pressure on yourself to move around. I think if you go five plus days in the parks, that's when you probably look at the park hopper. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that personally. That's my opinion. What do you think? Uh, I don't really understand what the park hopper is. Okay. So what it means is, so if I go and buy a single day ticket today, single day, single park, I can go to Magic Kingdom for the day and that's where I'll be. If you get the park hopper option, what it means is I could go to Magic Kingdom in the morning and then leave and go to Epcot that evening or Animal Kingdom or or MGM or MGM, Hollywood Studios or all of them, right? In the same day. I 
I don't think I'd do that because I like spending a full day at a park. Yeah. I guess the other thing you have to think about, too, is if you're planning on, you know, dining in specific places and maybe you maybe you really want to dine at, at, say, let's say Beer Garden in Epcot. Yeah. But you don't necessarily want to do a lot in Epcot. Well, you can't get in that park unless you have a ticket. You're like, you're not going to be able to get to the restaurant just because you have a reservation there. So, you know, that date, maybe you need the park hopper so you can go from starting your day at Hollywood Studios, end the day over at Epcot, and enjoy a dinner at Beer Garden or something like that. It's just very situational. It's a situational kind of thing. Yeah. But I do think it makes a lot more sense to go single park if you're, if you're doing a shorter trip. There are other people who would absolutely debate me on that and say, if, if it's a short trip, you need the park hopper so you can go everywhere you want to and you don't have to worry about it. But I disagree. Save the money. But I'm very you know, value-minded, I guess. So one of the things we talked about doing as part of this segment was each one of us kind of planning our own Disney vacation based on a certain budget. We haven't started it yet because I actually decided it'll make more sense to kind of do it at the end. And then we are going to eventually be bringing on an expert uh, on Disney travel who, in fact, is a travel agent. Oh, who is it? It's our friend Nick. Eventually we might bring Nick on where we are definitely going to be bringing Nick on to talk about using a travel agent because this is a lot of information. I mean, obviously we've covered it over a five-part series but then the, so far, but then our resort conversation was three episodes all by itself. If all of it's overwhelming and you don't want to do it all on your own, that's an advantage of it, but also there's other things and he's going to tell us all about that. So we'll do that at the end too. Look forward to that. A little tease. Well, that's all I had planned for today. Remy the Rat Woo! For, for president. Remy... Remy for president. He is a hero, and he goes for what he wants. On that note, I'll just thank you all for joining us again on the monorail. Um, You can interact with us. We're out there on Twitter, at Morning Monorail. We're on Facebook. We've got a YouTube, and we have an Instagram where I've been posting, trying to post a picture a day from our most recent trip. So, Have we gotten any voicemails yet? No voicemails. And I have a special message if you dial in. It's worth it just to dial in and hear me give you our special voicemail message. Thank you, McKenna and Garrett, for helping fill the void that Mommy left behind today. And again, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. We hope you enjoyed the journey, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, and suggestions on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings, and please watch your step as you exit. (laughs) See y'all.